Well, it's great to be back with part two of my interview with former Scotland manager Craig Brown, CBE. In today's podcast, Craig's going to be talking about the lessons, some of the lessons he's learned um, through his career from other coaches. And we're going to speak about a, a real interesting uh, area about um, substitutions as well. So I hope you enjoy part two of the podcast. We were going to have a look um, today, Craig, as you said, more of your, you know, your experience and also some of the lessons you learned both from yourself during the coaching and managing, but some of from some of the other kind of coaches and managers you, you've met along along your own journey. Well, I'm unashamedly prepared to steal ideas and to ask for ideas. When we got, we had international matches, for example, if we were playing and I was going to use the 3-5-2 system, it became my favourite system at the time. I would ask Paul Lambert, he was a player at Borussia Dortmund, Paul, how do you do this? How do you do that? And he said, how does he, how does your manager, his felt, how does he operate his back three? Is it zonal or is it man for man? And I would ask these questions and he, he would explain how he did it. Then I actually asked Bertie Wolves. Now, Bert, before Bertie became the Scotland manager, I was friendly with him yeah. because there was a German manager. And I said, that system is prevalent in Germany. How do you do it? And I unashamedly asked others. And of course, I asked players who played for good managers. And maybe my favourite was Clough. And, yeah. you know, I used to find out uh, what does Clough do about this and what does Clough do about that? There were two players that played for Clough in my time. One yeah. was Brian Rice, smashing guy Brian, yeah. and the other was a young boy, Terry Wilson. Yeah. And I think probably the best story is I was looking at Terry for the under-21 team and I went down to a Nottingham game and he was a very young boy from Whitburn in Scotland. Yeah. Nice, good player, big blonde-headed boy and glamour boy and not young in the Nottingham team. Mm. And I said, where were you playing today, Terry? He says, I was in midfield. I says, I know you were in midfield, but were you right, left? Where are you supposed to be? He says, I don't know. I said, wait a minute. You play for the best manager in England. He's won the European Cup with two different teams. And you don't know where you were supposed to. He says, I don't, I don't really know. I said, well, what were your instructions? He says, my instruction was simple. He says, Neil Webb goes where he wants and I go where he isn't. And I thought, that's brilliant. Oh, yeah. That's great. And he started on the left of midfield and Neil Webb started on the right. But if Neil Webb, he was the star man. Neil went where he wanted to go. Yeah. And Terry yeah. Wilson had to fill in. And of course, yeah. Brian Rice told other stories about him. You know, he, no square passes. Yeah. Square pass is vulnerable. If it's intercepted, both of you are beaten. Yeah. And he said, he told us once at the start of the season, no square passes. And if we did it in training, we're fined 25 pounds. If we did it in a game, we're fine 50. <laughs> so, you know, it's quite interesting to pick up things like that. Well, I, I started this no square passes as well. Yeah. And I unashamedly stole it from uh, Brian Rice telling me that Cluffy did that. And it's a very, very simple tactical it's so thing. true. And even yeah. at the lower level, sometimes, you know, under 21 level, I would insist in training. We don't pass it. We pass it forward or back, but never square. A square can eliminate both the passer and the receiver. So we things like that was the first, you know, the, the Brian Clough stuff was was great. And of course, uh, the Damned United, the story, the, yeah. the, the book on him, it's, it's terrific. And 
you know, you learn so much from that, but I could talk all morning about what that. What do you think it was about? You know, it, it's, it's asked a lot, isn't it? You know, about Brian Clough and his genius, because some of the things he did was very counterintuitive to what everyone else was doing, wasn't it? Exactly. Well, they also say, so you would turn up for training one morning and they would say, uh, take your boots off, just put on your flat shoes. We're going to walk along the Trent, you know, and, and, and just walk along the river. Yeah. And then they would stop at a, a cafe or a pub and they'd yeah. buy them all a whiskey. You know, he was off the slate, you would think. Yeah. But what a wonderful uh, record they had as a football manager. Uh, and I, I, I liked, I know I read all the Clough stuff, and of course the other uh, football managers. The, I think the most knowledgeable people in Scotland in football over my time, mm. over the years, the McLean family. Right. Yeah. Now there was Willie, the oldest McLean, and sadly Jim just not long passed away, and yeah. Tommy, and three brothers. Uh, I think their uh, upbringing is a, a quite a, an intriguing one. Yeah. Because their father, apparently, and I don't know if this is relevant, but it's quite mm. interesting. Yeah. Their father was a, a good player. Mm. Uh, played for Larkhall Juniors, Larkhall yeah. Thistle. And I think he was signed by Rangers. Mm. But then he was courting this lady called Annie, who is the mother of the McLeans. And she was a Plymouth Brethren lady. Very, okay. very devout. Yeah. And she told him, I'm not marrying you unless you give up football. Yeah. And he had to give up football. He was called oh. Speeder McLean, the father. Yeah. And, it, you know, he obviously very quick. Yeah. And he, he bought the baker shop in Lark Hall and he yeah. became Baker McLean. He was Speeder McLean, Baker McLean. Now, he is the father of the very devout mother. And the three brothers, in spite of the way they handled football teams and the language sometimes they used to players, they were very, they were brought up in a very devout environment. Yeah. And, you know, well... I knew Willie because I was assistant manager to Willie, right. and Willie was an outstanding football manager. Yeah. He had, he had great. Uh, how can I put it? He had great ideas. Yeah. You know, simple things. You know, things. We never. The teams used to go out separately then. Now they go out together. Yeah. The start of a game, hand in hand, almost. You know, <laughs> I've got to watch what I say. <laughs> but they were out. They're far too friendly now before the uh, game. Yeah. But in those days. In those days, when Willie was the manager of Motherwell, I was his assistant, and they ran out. Now, Willie's insistence was, we never go out first. They wait on us. You know, simple things like aye, that. Aye. It's just a wee psychological thing. And at half time, and I know Alec Ferguson did the same at Old Trafford, when the Manchester United, he said, we send the opposition out to wait for us, especially in a cold day. Yeah. And I'd delay, I would delay my team going out. Yeah. And they're standing shivering, waiting. And then, of course, out you go. And, of course, uh, the crowd takes off. You know, this is at halftime. Also, yeah. uh, I'm digressing to Alec no. Ferguson, but Alec also made his team, you know, I think the Aberdeen, the north of Scotland, know this, they ran off at halftime. I think that's a great point, Craig. Correct. I think even when you're saying that, that's, there's something about that, isn't there? Correct. They didn't walk off. Now, I had all my teams ran off as well. Yeah. You know, we had an international in the World Cup, for example. We were playing uh, Norway in Bordeaux. And I've got a great film of the, the team because at half time, every Scottish player, every Scottish team player was in the tunnel before the first Norwegian yeah. because they knew that, that, that and, you, and 
Another thing that I always uh, say to people, and they surprise, it surprises them, the bigger the star, the easier it is to handle. Yeah. You say it once to them, look, we run off at halftime. And they ran off. They didn't yeah. walk off. And that was, again, that started, I think I read it in the Clough book, I think it started with Clough because it stopped them uh, talking to the referee. That was one of the reasons. It gave them a few minutes more in the dressing room. Yeah. And it, he said, this interval doesn't start until you're sitting down listening to me. Yeah. Uh, then, of course, the famous Jim McLean, uh, who <laughs> I, I think, have I told you the, the stories of sitting in the dressing room after a game? When, no, no. Oh, well, you're like his... He, he came in, they had a defeat at Tannadice, he slaughtered the whole team. He started on the goalkeeper, Hamish McAlpine, and they gave him abuse. Now, the back four, listen to his back four, yeah. Goff, Hegarty, Neri, and Malpass, Incredible. all international players. Yeah. Every one of them got a verbal doing from Jim. Yeah. Then into the midfield, Kirkwood gave him a real bashing. Yeah. And then his pet hate at the time, I don't know why, because he's a smashing player, nice guy, Eamon Bannon, yeah. and, and Bannon, it was always Bannon, you bastard, you know, the alliteration, Bannon, yeah. you bastard. <laughs> I'm the only man indeed that I picked here with the worst performance I've ever seen, and he's shouting away at Bannon, and the lads are nudging each other. Yeah. Bannon hasn't come in yet. <laughs> he's shouting at the peg, and the peg's yeah. there. His number's in the peg, and the clothes are hanging, and he's giving it. He's in such a rage, he's given Bannon, and the door the door opens, and then walks Bannon. Yeah, he's carrying I, a big brown parcel. Bannon, where, where have you been? What's that? Where are you I was collecting the man of the match award, boss. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant one. Brilliant. The boys like that one. But, yeah. you know, you're, you're the manager, and you're giving the players that kind of abuse. But the other the other one I liked, how do you drop a player? Oh, yeah, right. That... that I would think might interest you. It certainly interests me. Yeah. Why would you tell him he's dropped? Do you explain or do you just say you're not playing or what do you do? Well, they were in the cup final. Mm. And this is a well-known United story, mm. apparently, because uh, Jim says, we'll just meet at Tannadice, we'll go down, we'll have something to eat in the road down, I don't know, maybe at Cumbernauld, and we'll go to Hamden. Mm. Now, a lot of the, the habit is you take the team away the night before and the overnight and but on the way down, he's giving out the complimentary tickets mm. and they get two tickets each for their family to leave it, the ticket office at Hampton. And he comes to me, Billy Kirkwood, and Billy says, I've played every game, in the, every round of the cup up to the final, about a regular in the league team. And he hands me two tickets. He says, keep one for yourself, Kirkwood. <laughs> <laughs> and that was Billy being told he was dropped. Dropped. <laughs> You know, now, the players don't want sensitivity. No. They don't They don't want, you know, to be mollycoddled. They don't want an arm round and, you know, they want it straight. And that's my experience. They want to be told they're playing or they're not playing. And you don't go into, uh, well, he's playing better than you or he's on You just say you're not playing. That's not my decision. And that, yeah. that's my experience and yeah. my I might be wrong and you, yeah. you and do you think there's a right time to tell anyone then Craig when they're dropped well I've just I, I just said to you there well that was yeah. Kirk would have been told on his way to Hamden yeah now uh, and uh, Billy tells the story himself Billy he smiles now when he tells it you know uh, but uh, they were actually beaten and the Motherwell won that cup in 1990 
one. His brother beat him. Tommy beat him. Mm. Uh, so, you know, I think that if you're, as I said, if you're going to drop a player and you know you're going to drop him, give him maximum warning. Yeah. That's my experience. And yeah. that is if he's an experienced player. So that he's not getting told, you know, an hour before the game and yeah. he can be yeah. really shattered. And then you, usually you've got him on the bench yeah. if he's not playing and is could be not saying disruptive, yeah. but sulking. Yeah, just in his own head a bit sometimes. Yes. Yeah. The phrase I used to use, I hate to see a sulking substitute. Yeah. And I would say that to them. I said, if any of you want to be sulking substitutes, you can sulk in the house. Don't come don't come with a team. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not yeah. interested in some guy that does not accept. And I think substitution is a very big area of yeah. concern. I, rem I remember you telling me a, a great story about um, Del Piero when he was put yeah. on the bench. Well, Del Piero, I was doing a commentary in the European Championship, yeah. and this was the year 2000, mm. and it was in Amsterdam, yeah. and it was the game was... Uh, I'm trying to think who it was, because Del Piero was playing for Italy, mm. and I looked, and I think they were playing the host country. I think yeah. they were... They were playing the Dutch team, yes. Yeah. And it was in the year 2000. Yeah. And I picked, to try and get my preparation done, I picked the Gazzetta della Sport, you know, the pink uh, Italian paper, to try and get some idea of who's playing. And, what. and the headline was Totti. Mm. That was a big photo of Totti. Yeah. Totti was making his debut. Who was being left out? Del Piero. Mm -hmm. Now, Del Piero, of course, was the star. And uh, here is, he's been dropped out of the team. And I thought, well, that's a bit of a turn up. Del Piero's first game, young boy. Now, I watched carefully, I was sitting behind the bench, and you like to see the attitude of the players yeah. sitting, whether you've got, like I say, whether you've got supporting substitutes or sulking substitutes. Mm -hmm. And I used to always say, if you're on that bench, you've got to be a supporter as well as a, a substitute. And uh, I'm looking at the Italian bench, and of course, Del Piero is sitting in the bench. And after six minutes in this game uh, against the host country, uh, Holland, who scored the goal? Totti. And uh, uh, I swear to you, Donald, Del Piero was out punching the air, you know, yeah. cheering the goal yeah. that Totti scored. Now, they were, he was brought on for him in 63 minutes. I remember yeah. that vividly. I'm doing the commentary. 63 minutes and a, a wonderful handshake. There was no bad attitude yeah. from uh, Del Piero. Yeah. And, and I thought that, and I've used that story a lot with the players, with senior players. Yeah. I said, if you took the attitude that Del Piero had, who was the heart, the, the heart of the Italian team, yeah. the hero, and here's a young boy taking his place. And he was... The young boy scored in six minutes. I'm repeating it, and he's up cheering. Now, Brilliant. That tells, uh, it tells a lot yeah. about both of them. Yeah, I, I think that's a great story. And, and it's been part of the whole team and part of the group and that genuine positive energy, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. No, and I, I like, you know, in other sports, you know, there was a, a very good example. Martin Keimer, the golfer, when he was mm. left out the Ryder Cup team, and they said... Uh, uh, what, how do you feel about that? He says, no, oh, I don't deserve to be in. I think it was Thomas Bourne was the, the captain of the Ryder Cup team and he was left out. 
And the other was the other from the other sport was in cricket, Monty Panisar. Right. Got dropped got dropped from the English cricket team. And of course the press were saying, Oh, that was a disgrace. Then he came back when they recalled him a couple of years later. He scored a century. And they tried to get him to criticize the selection. And they said, Well, you showed them, you showed them. He says, No, well, I wasn't deserving to be in the team when I was left right. out. Now you don't get many footballers saying that. <laughs> And that's humility as well, Craig, isn't it? That's yeah. Well, uh, I, I've always respected Monty Panisar for that. I know Martin Keimer for his attitude when he was left out. And if I, I've said it to footballers. I've said, look, try and take the attitude of some of these top stars when they're, missed, when they're left out. I, I know when we're speaking about subject um, substitutes, you had a few kind of rules yourself or things you've noticed uh, or, or put in place in terms of... Um, for a, from a coach, you know, when you're viewing the game and you're taking a substitute off, isn't it, about who speaks to who or what players yes, well, expected? Well, I think I, I learned quite a lot because uh, yeah, I was working at Fulham and the manager was Chris Coleman. Uh, he, was, he became the Welsh manager. So the next team meeting, I was there and uh, we put, they had three American players Smashing guys. I'm trying to remember the third one. There was Clint Dempsey, there was Carlos Bocanegra, and a third one. Anyway, uh, he played in America. I think it was a New Zealand international player. Anyway, I said to him, any of you guys get good with a felt pen? I'm, my handwriting's not good. Right on the board there. This is at the team meeting yeah. on the Monday after the, the Saturday game. They had won the game, but they had a sulking substitute who right. came off unhappy. And put up reasons for substitution. Yeah. And they gave the, the, the players gave us ten, I think, reasons. Now I can get I think I can get eleven reasons for substituting yeah. a player. You always think it's for poor performance yeah. or injury. But there are so many other reasons. Yeah. You know, simple ones like, you know, if you want to give the guy credit, he scored three goals, mm. give him a, a personal acknowledgement. But and that takes a while to do that, but it's easy to, to do the 10 or 11 reasons. I, I think that's a, a great point, because a lot of the time, in the emotion, isn't it, when you think it's, player will think it's all about him and his performance, and I'm not doing well, isn't it? That's so, right, correct. They all, they, they, every, and the crowd the crowd think the same, but yeah. there could be other reasons. You could have a young boy, you want to blood him and put him in the team. There are yeah. so many reasons. One of the interesting reasons is, uh, in one of my clubs, you had to go on to get the bonus, yeah. the full bonus. The subs yeah. got a half bonus. Now, if you're winning comfortably and you've got some good young lads and you haven't used your substitutes, and I did that at Motherwell uh, in a game, in actual fact, uh, I say it against, against ourselves, we were beating Aberdeen 3-0 at Pataudry yeah. and I had three young lads. And the rule at Motherwell was if you go on uh, from the start, you get the full bonus. Yeah. If you're on the bench, no matter if you go on, you get the half bonus. Yeah. Sorry, you get the full bonus if you go on. So I, yeah. I put three young lads on. And my colleague Archie, no, you can't do that. We might lose a goal. I says, Archie, we'll never lose a goal. We're, we're comfortable here. And, of course, you could have given these guys a lottery win. Yeah. And they would be happy. The fact they got on to Pataudry and they got a full bonus rather than a half bonus. Yeah. So that that's one of the other reasons mm -hmm. for substituting a player. Injury is the main one and running the clock down. There are so many, but yeah. you can get... And a very interesting one was done by the manager, uh, who was uh, the big uh, Dutch manager, who changed the goalkeeper 
in the penalty shootout. Oh, I remember that, yeah. Because the goalkeeper that he had on the bench was a better shot stopper, he felt, than the goalkeeper that played the match. Now, mm -hmm. that's quite quite amazing uh, to make a substitution for that in this penalty shootout. So that gave me 11 reasons. But the players, and every the start of every season, my first team meeting, or one of the early team meetings, would be reasons for substitutions. Mm -hmm. And we got it from them. Mm. Now, the next thing I always said is, when a player substituted and he comes down, what does he say? And I always ask the player, what does he say? And he always says, oh, look at McNaughton. McNaughton's having a nightmare and he took me off. <laughs> me off. Uh, you know, imagine I'm sitting here. Or, uh, or he'll say, oh, that's rotten. He's got, a, he's got it in for me. And, you know, he says it loud enough so that maybe the coach can hear. So... The, the rule, and this was a way back to my time as assistant manager of Motherwell in the 70s, yeah. Willie McLean as the manager, when you come off, you did not discuss the game yeah. and you didn't talk about it because you couldn't sit there without criticising a colleague or a manager or the coach. Yeah. So you would say, look at McNaughton, he's hopeless. What's this, this manager hasn't a clue, he's taking me off. Yeah. So you sit there and you accept it. The other thing you do is you uh, shake hands in a cordial manner with the guy going on, that's compulsory. But you will not get a handshake from the coach or mm -hmm. the manager. And people are surprised when I say that. And if you watch, the coach's job is to concern himself with the guys that are on, not walking away over there to shake your hand. And you you, you almost invite a rejection, yeah. you know. And one of the reasons that they'll give you for substituting a player is indiscipline. Yeah. You've been told to do something, you're not doing it. Do I go and shake your hand for that? Yeah, yeah. You know, now to be consistent, the father, his father's up in the stand, his wife's up in the stand. You don't shake hands with anyone, even the guy that scored three goals. Yeah. Now that was my rule. Now I'm yeah. maybe old fashioned and. But I loved what you said there, isn't it? Because it, as well as that, it's taking your focus off the game, isn't it? Those... Exactly. Exactly, and also it, it's easy to do it when the guy scored three goals and he's yeah. walking right past you. Yeah. But you're at the other end of the technical area and he's coming off and I see managers walking along to shake his hand. Yeah. Now, and I don't think that's necessary. And in fact, yeah. the, the attitude given sometimes is not favourable. So mm. I, I would not in any way encourage that. And I used to say to the players, you will not get... now. I made a mistake because I said this on a coaching course, it was a pro license, I think, and one of the coaches on the course said, you get me the sack. I said, I got you the sack. Said, well, you helped to get me the sack. I said, why was that? Now, this is a lovely guy yeah. who said this to me, and it was Morris Malpass, right. and he was manager of Swindon Town. Yeah. And one of the reasons the chairman, when the chairman was sacking him, he said, and by the way, you never even showed enough respect to shake hands with a player when you took him off. So the message there is tell the oh, players, yeah, yeah. And tell, the, tell the chairman, tell the officials yeah. that you don't shake hands. It's, it's a policy. Now, I don't think anyone could dispute that policy, yeah. although I still see, I don't, I might be wrong, I don't see Mourinho shaking hands with players going off. I don't see yeah. Alec Ferguson diving to shake hands coming off either. They, they came off and they were respectful and they sat down. And I think substitution tells you an awful lot about a player. Yeah. You know, yeah. Because even a player who's not selected at the start of the game 
send them out for a warm-up. And I always watch the warm-up and I see whether it's a, a player who's resentful mm. that wasn't starting the game when he warms up in a very slack. Mm. And I always used to say to the physio, take his pulse count when he, and we're not putting him on until it's at least three quarters of his maximum. And they knew that their pulse count was going to be taken. Mm. So the warm-up was not a go. And you see them standing, stretching, allegedly, and watching the game yeah. when they're supposed to be warming up. Well, I would never put a guy on like that. And it, it displays to me an unfavourable attitude. Mm. But and I'm you can't psychic. start the game well if you have a low pulse rate either, isn't it? It's good. It's taking you longer and longer to get right. your heart rate up and also your focus. You're just not on it, are you? Yes, but you know that he'll take 15 seconds worth and multiply it before that gives yeah. him his butt. But of course, sometimes the physio, it's only a, it's only pretending he's taking that. He's not ah. even bothered. And they'll uh, say, oh, yes, you can go on, boss. Uh, you know, and I say, okay, on he goes. But unless, now I watch teams, I watch players now when I'm not managing anymore and I'm watching games, I watch the attitude of, of substitutes warming up. Yeah. I also watch what happens at half time when you, some of them stay out and do they, do they do a shift? Are they under construction or are they just left to kick yeah. the ball about? And, and I think it tells a lot about the club and the players. Yeah. Uh, but I think, you, I think you made a great team. point the last time as well, Craig, when we were talking about substitutions as well, isn't it? That there was actually, especially when you were saying when you were you were playing, it? there was no substitutions. No now we've got how many now is it? Well, do you know? Do you know that when you're managing the international team and you're in a World Cup or a European Championship tournament, mm -hmm. you've got more substitutes than you have players. Incredible. So, because you're allowed, you've got 23 players in your squad. Mm. Everyone is allowed on the bench. So you've 12 in the bench in the European Championship or the World Cup. Now, there are nine substitutes, I think, now. Are there mm. nine? Yes. I think there are nine now because of the pandemic yeah. uh, at the moment. And now, that is a management problem. Yeah. <laughs> certainly, when you've got the World Cup, when you've got more on the bench than you've got on the pitch, and, and they could be quite, they're all stars with their clubs. Yeah. So they're not used to being substitutes. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and you've put them in the bench with the international team. And, and it's a telltale, I think, it's a telltale sign how they behave on that bench. How they're yeah. And I used to say to them, I'm not, I'm not to get eyes in the back of my head, but I'm not stupid. And I've got staff here and we're watching your attitude as a substitute. Mm -hmm. And it's a very, very, uh, how can I say, revealing. Yeah. Situation, how you respond to being a substitute player. Uh, I think that most substitutes are, are uh, <laughs> supportive. I'll give you a good story as well. We had a friendly with France and St Etienne before the World Cup. And this is the team that eventually won the World Cup in 1998. We're playing a friendly and have got McCoy on the bench. And uh, he's sitting there. Now, his attitude, Ali McCoy's attitude, always terrific favourable and he's sitting on that bench and we're playing away but we lost the goal I should tell you the other thing I said to Craig Burley I said if Zidane number 10 crosses the halfway line in possession of the ball and you don't whack him you'll be sitting on this bench you'll be substitute and of course Burley the big big come look in the head nods and I said now make uh -huh. sure well five minutes gone and he whacked him I mean what a tackle it was and down he went and of course, the referee, now a Spanish referee, spoke good English, called him over. You were a bit late there, 
number eight. He says to Burnley, and Burnley, and Burnley very polite. I used to say, be polite if you're mean. Yeah. And they said, I got as early as I could, you know. <laughs> and I thought, this is an ordering off, but it was a friendly. Yeah. So he gave him, he only gave him a yellow card. So just at that, and McCoy shouts, Burnley, one more tackle like that, pal. You'll be joining your teeth in the dressing room. I <laughs> did. <laughs> But that was the first, that was the, but, but here is McCoy, this was brilliant. I said to McCoy at halftime, we're, we're a goal down. It's one nothing for France. And just after halftime, I said, McCoy, to get warmed up. So he bounces up and he's warming up. And while he's warming up, Gordon Jury scored the best goal I've seen Scotland score. It was a wonderful goal to make it one each. And, and I'm taking Jury off. Yeah. Now, then I'm saying to myself, when a guy's scored, he's, he's on a high. His his uh, his uh, enthusiasm is great. Yeah. His confidence is boosted, and the goal's twice the size the next time he shoots. Yeah. So <laughs> Judy scored. I've changed my mind. So I says, "Coisty, <laughs> we'll leave it just now. <laughs> just take a seat." Yeah. And he looked at me, and only McCoy's could say this, and you not take offence. He yeah. shook his head. He says, "Judy, one goal in six years." <laughs> Prolific. And prolific, is it? <laughs> and he shook his head and he sat down. But anyway, you know, you want a guy, you want a team, and you want players yeah, yeah. to be there. There is a, it's quite hurtful when you're warming up and you think you're going on. Excited. Aye, and the manager changes his mind. Then <laughs> I, I changed it and I told them afterwards. Yeah. I said, "Look, when a guy scored, you know how when you scored, you're upbeat." Uh-huh. Anyway, but I think I think the issue of substitutes is a whole session in itself yeah. and, and, and it's a very revealing situation. The attitude of players being substituted and warming up to be to be introduced is yeah. very revealing. And I think I always say that to him when I'm watching, you think, and I watch games now and I watch how players are sent out to, to warm up, mm-hmm. to come on and I watch them. And sometimes it's terrible. Very often it's very good, but it's not always good. I think that's it's a great point, Craig, a great point you said earlier for some of the players, especially the very successful ones at their clubs, that is almost kind of can be perceived as adversity to them, isn't it? I'm playing yes. and then, ooh, and it's one of the few times for some of them they'll be they'll have that sort of challenge. Exactly, yeah. You know, because they're all at the international level where I worked for 16 years, yeah. you know, with the under 21s and the national team. At international level, they're not used to being substituted. Mm. They're, they're used to being the big shot because that's why they're international players. Mm. So it's a slightly different uh, psychological thing to take off a guy mm. who's a big star in his club. But you've got to do it. That's the job. And they. Uh, mm. You warn them, you say to them beforehand, I'm not daft, I'm watching. And mm. I expect the attitude to be favourable. Mm. Now, you usually get that. And, you know, a guy like McCoy, I've mentioned, whose attitude and his, his disposition towards the coaching staff, towards his colleagues was great. And 